Thank you, Rick and Jamie. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 6. I'm aware that we're beginning right in the middle of the action. However, this is a good starting place because the things we're going to focus on are the events that happened after this. Now, this morning I used a word when I said this passage of Scripture answers many questions. And it does answer many questions. Uh, Where do our disobedient thoughts, our desires, our lust, where do they come from? Well, we found the answer to that. And we also found the answer in this chapter, where did the pain and the suffering and death and hardship, where did all that come from that's in the world today? That's in this passage of scripture. But I used a word, disappointing. That's an understatement. This passage of scripture that we're about to read is filled with one disappointment after another. But... It also ends on a happy note because it's a picture of one of the most glorious doctrines in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow. And your conception. In your pain you will bring forth children. Your desire will be to your husband. He will rule over you. Then to Adam. He said because you have heeded the voice of your wife. And you have eaten from the tree which I commanded you. Saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. And toil you will eat of it. All the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face you will eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, 
The Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. Now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east end of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you that your word reveals so much about you and also reveals so much about ourselves. We ask as we look in these passages of scripture that we would learn some things and understand more about the Bible and your plan for redemption, your plan for our individual lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Several disappointments that we notice here. Of course, first and foremost, we would notice this, the first thing, is the first disappointment is that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. But you see, that is just about the the third disappointment, simply because why did Eve think that she could eat of the fruit? Because she doubted God's word. And the fact that she doubted God's word meant this, she doubted God. She doubted God's truthfulness. And then she doubted his motives because that's how Satan attacked her. He said, God knows if you eat of this tree, then you'll be just like he is. He's holding out on God's holding out on me. He doesn't want what's best for you. So you're going to have to make your own way. And you'll have to make your own rules. God's just trying to ruin the fun. Well, she believed that. And you know, it's surprising how many people believe that. They don't want to surrender their lives to the Lord because they're afraid God will ask them to do something they want to do. They'll lose all the fun. So they begin to doubt God's way for their life. They begin to doubt God's motives for their life. That's a big disappointment. Secondly is they hid from God as if God were the problem. But God wasn't the problem, was he? But they hid from God. And they hid from God as if they really could. Sometimes we tend to think we can do that. And we tend to think that we can ignore God. And if we ignore God, he'll just go away. God's not going away. We'll always have to deal with God. And I believe that is one of the reasons why you have atheists in that if you acknowledge that there is a God, then you have to acknowledge that there is accountability. And so the atheist tends to hide, attempt to hide from God as if I, if I deny that God exists, if I ignore God, if I just choose to try to turn my face the other way, then maybe he'll go away. But he never goes away. He won't go away, and you can't hide from God, and you can't hide God. And then it gets even worse. You think, man, how does it get worse than that? Well, they ran and hid from God. And then the Lord God called to Adam in verse 9 and said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Now, what's the one word answer to that? Yes. 
But look what Adam does. The man said, the woman whom you gave me, she handed it to me. Now, he blames two different individuals. First of all, he blamed Eve. Now, can you imagine how Eve must have felt when God's talking to Adam about his actions and he points to her and says, that woman, the woman, it's her fault. Then he blames God because he didn't say the woman. Who did he say? The woman that you gave me. And he begins to blame God. Now that's a major disappointment that Adam actually committed the sin. Adam committed a very disappointing action. And now he blames other people. And so it begins. People blame others for their disappointing lifestyles and behavior. They blame the parents. You hear it this way. Well, they rebelled because the parents took them to church all the time. Then you hear this. Well, they rebelled because they never went to church. So, of course, naturally, it's, it's both ways. They blame their siblings. They blame their siblings because possibly mom and daddy treated that one better than me. And so because of my siblings, this is the way I am. They blame playground bullies from 30 years ago. They blame spouses. They blame bosses. They blame God. And that is a disappointment. It's a disappointment to God that we would blame others for our wrongdoing. But men and women do it all the time, don't we? We don't own our, our mistakes. We want to shift the blame. And that's a disappointment. Then we're going to look at their disappointing solution. It says the eyes of both of them were open. They knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Now what happened here? Well, the last part of chapter 2, it says they were both naked and not ashamed. What caused the shame? What changed? Sin. Sin caused them to be ashamed. So their solution was that they would sew fig leaves together. And I'm going to, this is going to solve the whole problem. This will solve the whole problem. Everything's fixed now. I'm going to sew fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, I know some things about fig leaves. My grandmama and granddaddy Rogers down here in Atlanta had a big fig tree in their yard. That thing was huge. And those fig leaves were that big. And so, you know, you could get one of those fig leaves and say, man, I might can make clothes out of enough of these. So they, they sew themselves fig leaves together. Now, one thing you have to understand, those fig leaves were this big only for a little while. And then after a while, their solution wasn't so good. And I'm, I'm really not so sure what you would sew a fig leaf together with, but I know this, it won't stay together that long. So they sewed themselves fig leaves. And that was a disappointing solution because 
Not only at the moment, because did it hide their shame of sin? Not for a minute, did it? Was it really what they needed, especially when God begins to tell them what life was going to be like, and then he shows them the door and says, out of the garden. Out of the garden. So he points them out of the garden. They were going to need more protection than leaves could give them. They were going to need something better. So God provided a better solution. It simply says, And for Adam and the wife, the Lord God made tunics or coats of skin and clothed them. Did they deserve this? They got themselves into this situation. And the the reason they were in a dangerous situation is because they had sinned. The reason they were going into a dangerous environment is because they had sinned. God didn't owe them this. This is totally grace and mercy that God would provide a better solution. This is a picture of one of the most glorious doctrines in the Bible that is outlined in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3. For what the law could not do... In that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What the law could not do because our flesh was weak, Jesus Christ came and did. In other words, our works, our goodness, Our good deeds, all insufficient because our flesh is weak. We cannot keep the law. So the law could not save us because our flesh is weak. And what the law couldn't do, what we couldn't do, Jesus stepped up and provided a better solution. And that is, of course, he paid the price for our sins. Beautiful doctrine. All begin to show us in the book of Genesis chapter 3. They blew it. They messed up. Their covering because of their sin was altogether inadequate. But God provided something much better. It's interesting. If you look at the words that are used in the Hebrew language, it says specifically in verse 7, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. The Hebrew word for this is hagarah. That simply means the King James gets it right, like an apron. Like an apron, just something you tie around your waist. However, it says in verse 21, God made tunics or coats of skin. Kabonet. 
And that means a long shirt that fully covers the body. Not only was the material better, the pattern was better. They just made themselves little coverings, little aprons that got smaller by the minute. God said, let me give you something more substantial. I'm going to give you a bigger covering and I'm going to make it out of something better. My solution is the best solution. This whole activity is outlined in two Old Testament passages. Look in Psalms chapter 32, verse 1. Psalms chapter 32, verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Your sin is covered. Well, what's it covered with? Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with garments of salvation as a, and has covered me with the robe of righteousness. God can do it so much better than we can. Garments of salvation, the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And what he's saying here is he didn't just give us clothes. The marriage wedding garments were the best garments anybody would ever wear in their entire lives. Nothing would match them. And he said that's the kind of clothes God gives us with salvation. The best that will ever, ever be given to us. But it all came at a cost. We read through this. We just simply say, as also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Up to now, there had not been death in the garden. Because if you read through the first and the second chapter, you understand when God gave them something to eat in the garden, he said, you can eat of every tree in the garden. There'll be plenty to eat thereof. Just talking about them eating of the herb in the tree. They'd never killed an animal. Now God has to make them coverings of skin. I don't know how it all took place. But can you imagine God's talking to them and then God turns from them and they're saying, what, what are you doing? You see, Adam had named all these animals. What, what, what are you doing? And they may have had to watch as God killed an animal. 
that Adam had named to cover them up. You see, it came at a high cost. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, this is the blood that is shed for the remission of your sins. So he wanted us to be reminded of the cost. The cost of covering our sin. And early on in the the Old Testament, in the dawn of human history, God showed us that there's a high price for sin. And an innocent life had to be shed because of their sin. So their sin would be covered. That is the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ outlined in Genesis chapter 3. Where our own efforts were insufficient, feeble, pathetic. And God said, I'll do something better. But blood had to be shed. You see, we're reminded of that because we all need to remember that our salvation is precious. First of all, because it's irreplaceable. There's nothing that can take its place. But second of all, we need to understand our salvation is precious. Our relationship with God and our, our ability to be forgiven of sins, it's precious because it costs God. It costs Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain, what? From the foundation of the world. So it is painful. But thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. Is there anything before we close?